Welcome to QAV. This is the free edition of episode 632, recorded on the 8th of August 2023. My name's Cameron. If you're new to QAV, this is a little investing podcast that I run with my mate, Tony. Tony's been a very successful value investor for about 30 odd years, and he's developed a system for investing that he calls QAV, quality at value, investing in good quality companies when you can buy their shares at a discount to their intrinsic value. And that's what we teach on the podcast. In this free edition of the podcast this week, we're going to be talking about Meyer's recent results and subsequent collapse. We're going to be talking about NCK, Nick Scarly. Tony's going to do a bit of a deep dive. We call it a pulled pork on Nick Scarly. And then we've got a question from one of our club members, Marcus, who's going overseas and is talking about how he's liquidated his investments in preparation for that, but he's holding on to baby bunting his old employer. Anyway, we'll get into the show and I'll be back afterwards to explain a little bit more about QAV. Meyer can never <laughs> win with Meyer. It's down 14% today. <laughs> I saw this in the ABC not long before we went to air. Meyer shares have slumped after it forecast weaker than expected profit for the two financial year. The retailer predicts that after-tax profit will come in between 69 to 73 million, up 15 to 21% from a year ago. You would think that's good. Ooh. But below a forecast of 88.5 million by financial okay. news service Refinitiv. Like, uh, who's listening to Refinitive? Why are we listening to Refinitive all <laughs> oh, the time? Oh, you are. <laughs> when, why do they get to decide what should happen? Maya says sales rose 12.5% from the 2022 financial year to $3.6 billion. That's despite deteriorating trading conditions over the first half of 2023. So, seriously, what the hell? Their, their profits are up. Their sales are up. Share price is down 14%. Like, give me a break. That's not right. Consensus downgrade. That's one of the things that drives the share market the most is forecasts. And we all know how good forecasts are. And we all know that stockbrokers are inclined to gild the lily with forecasts when they talk to their clients. And uh, as soon as someone comes out and says, yeah, that forecast isn't going to be met, even if they make a lot more money this year than last year, share price drops. And it's, a, it's kind of a strange thing in the share market, really. A, that you listen to stockbroker forecasts or, or analyst forecasts, and B, Maya should have been doing a better job of guiding them down if they are meeting with those analysts along the way. To come out with a surprise downgrade is never a good look. And this is confession season for Maya because they, they don't report in August, they report in September. Oh, sorry, they announced their results in September. They report, they finished, they ruled their year off in July. So this is a confession, I guess. Yeah. Maya Chief Executive John King said, we continue to tightly manage costs, inventory and cash to ensure we have a strong balance sheet as we begin FY24, where we expect the ongoing uncertainty around the macroeconomic environment to persist. I thought he was going to say, you know what? You can all just bite me. That was a bloody good result. Leave me the hell alone. Yeah, they should. But uh, he's trying to be say. polite, I guess. That's probably why I'm not the chief executive of Maya. Well, John King is pretty experienced. He should have known better than to have a surprise downgrade. He should have been out there much before, a long time before this well, guiding he's, the market. He is. Isn't that what he just did? He just guided the market. Yeah, a bit late though. He would have known about this. Because Maya, the interesting thing about Maya is they do more than half of their business in the first half at Christmas time. So something's gone horribly wrong in the second half, which he would have been part of. And, Knowing as it went, 
he should have been out there a little bit earlier. I would have thought letting people know it's it's good, but it's not as great as the animals are saying. Like it's just this is my experience from like last year with Meyer all over again. It's just <laughs> it's up 25, 30, 50 percent, and then you just watch it slide all the way back down to become a real one. Right. No, that's a bugger. Yeah. Well, Tony, speaking of confusing news, <laughs> I was looking at the ABC before we went to the air. Two stories back to back in the ABC today. The first one is Business confidence picks up, even though costs rise. The National Australia Bank says business confidence has lifted slightly to be back in positive territory in July. However, it is still low at two index points. Business conditions eased one point to 10 index points. Trading conditions, employment and profitability were all steady, according to NAB Chief Economist Alan Oster. He says business conditions continued to show resilience in July and have been broadly steady in the past couple of months at above average levels. The very next story says consumer confidence falls. Mm -hmm. Consumer confidence remains deeply in pessimistic territory amid high interest rates, high inflation, and the slowing economy. Westpac and the Melbourne Institute say consumer sentiment dropped 0.4% to 81 in August. Westpac senior economist Matthew Hassan says the Reserve Bank interest rate pauses last month and this month have done little to lift confidence probably because the RBA has warned that more rate rises may be needed. He says consumers are worried about inflation, including recent fuel and energy price rises, with pressure on family finances and concerns about rates in the economic outlook. Now, call me crazy, call me stupid, but I would have thought if consumer confidence is low, business confidence would also be low, seeing as consumers are the ones that are spending the money on the businesses. And so if consumers are worried that they're not going to spend money and therefore business confidence would be low. But apparently, I don't know anything. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, consumers are being driven by interest rates, which I guess business is too, to a certain extent. I've got no idea why they're different, just speculating. I suspect, they see, I mean, the talk about recession is lifting and supply chains are opening up and inflation's coming down a little bit. So that's probably stoking business confidence. But, but mortgage holders, residential mortgage holders are still... Uh, experiencing high a, a quick rise in interest rates, which would be hurting, is my guess. Well, there you go. I've got a pulled pork to do, Cam. On, I'm going to do it on Nick Scarley, which popped up on the buy list again this week. I think I may have done Nick Scarley years ago, or at least in the past, but I'm going to do it again. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think it's it's a good company. It's worth highlighting. So Nick Scarley, the, the ticker code is NCK. I've owned it in the past, don't own it now. And it's been off the buy list for a, a while, probably because of COVID and COVID-related issues. And I'm doing the analysis on the results that we have available today. And this company doesn't report until the 22nd of August. So the numbers we're using are six months old and we're waiting for new ones. It'll be two or three weeks before we see them. But as you know, I, I'm happy to buy a company that comes into the situation, even though we're waiting for new numbers. Might be, if people are out there a bit more conservative, they can happily wait until we get new numbers. But generally I find if something pops up on the buy list during reporting season before the results, especially retail companies, which tend to be more cyclical and, and volatile than some, you know, some of the other companies that we look at, as we saw with Maya today, I'm happy to buy them because if they're trending up coming into reporting season, usually that means the analysts have figured it out and are expecting a good result. Could even have been a leak of information somewhere along the line as well. But anyway, it's, it's usually a good sign. Not always, but usually. So have a look at it. Nick Scarley, if people aren't aware of them, they're a furniture 
store network, a bit like, you know, Harvey Norman, that kind of thing, but they do offer brands across the whole economic spectrum from discount through to premium. And the big change in their business last year was they acquired a company called Plush, which has boosted sales and profit for them, which has been, been good for them. Going on their last results, so this is going back to February uh, or March, profit was up 30, from $35 million to $60 million, net profit after tax. And was it? I don't have the sales numbers in front of me, but sales were also up some, something similar. So big, big boost of profit from acquiring Plush, throwing off lots of cash flow, which we like, and they're paying down the debt that they took, out, took on to make that acquisition. So working well for them, they, they said in that profit result that they were able to extract the $20 million a year in synergies from the two brands and that they've done a lot of work to bring Plush into line with the practices and processes that Nick Scarly used. So they've transitioned to Nick Scarly's point of sale and they've adopted you know the policies and procedures in terms of drop shipping because a lot of Nick Scarly's business is you go in pick a sofa or a bed that you like, and then they deliver it to you in 12 weeks' time and then manufacture it overseas. So they have a very streamlined manufacturing process. Uh, business is interesting. It's been around for as long as I have, 60 years uh, ago. It was it was started in Sydney. And they largely import, I think they might import all their furniture, as I said, through our dropship method. They have currently 107 stores in Australia and New Zealand they called out in the last results that they thought that they could get up to 180 stores. So there's still plenty of room to to grow in the ANZ market without cannibalizing their current offerings. And they also now have an online presence, which is increasing as well. So looks like there's a fair bit of growth available for this company. The big thing I like about Nick Scully as well is that it's, it's, it does have an owner-founder still running the business, a guy called Anthony Scully. So not the nick of the name, who I think was their father, but uh, the son, Anthony. And he still has, he's a director holding about 14% of the shares. And I remember year or maybe a few years ago now, he went and bought out his siblings. So it's just him and he's been running the business for a long time, probably working it with his father and still holds 14%. So it's one of those stories of owner founders doing well and focusing on on the process that uh, got them to where they are. So that's good. Numbers, the ADT for this for this stock is 1.847 million per day. So we'll be big enough, I think, for most of our listeners. I'm doing the analysis of the price of $10.67, which is less than the consensus target. At that price, the stock is yielding just over 7%. So that's a tick from us because it's above the mortgage rate. Stock Doctor Financial Health is strong and steady. I'll just call out the ROE for this company. I don't don't uh, focus it on the checklist, but it's high for this company. I know some people do. It's nearly 73%, which is huge. The PE for this company is eight, which is, you know, probably getting up there for a QAV stock, but it is the lowest of the last six halves. So it gets a tick from us for that. Drop calf, likewise, is 6.27 times. So it's getting up towards our seven ceiling. So this this company is starting to get a bit expensive for us, but it's just sneaking in at the moment. IB1 is $6.79, so the share price is above that, but it's just below IB2, which is $11.82, so we score it for that. Can't score it for book value. 
it's book plus 30 is only $2.69. And I think the reason for that is it's, it's carrying lots of intangible assets, which is the goodwill from the plush acquisition. So that's on the balance sheet at the moment, affecting the book value and NTA even worse. Forecast, interestingly enough, the consensus forecast earnings per share for this company is a drop of 10%. Nothing I could see in any of the announcements from the company sort of supported that. So I'm not sure where that number is coming from. But certainly, you know, with the increases we saw from the plush acquisition, I'm not sure. There might be a surprise on the upside. I'll leave it at that. I'm not sure that's going to hold. So, but anyway, it gets a negative one score for decreasing EPS in our checklist. It is a new three-point trend upturn. So let's just come back on the buy list. It does have consistently increasing equity, which is always a good sign. And all in all, the quality is 14 out of 16 or 88%. And the QAB score is 0.14. So not near the top, above the bottom. And possibly if it keeps going the way it's going, it might fall off the, the buy list if the price increases too much further. I mean, it is, it is a discretionary retail stock. So we have lots of discretionary retail stocks on our buy list at the moment. Super cheap, Accent, AX, AX1, Accent 1, and again, this is a shoe company, et cetera, et cetera. And they're... You know, their sales have been hit by discretionary spending drying up because of interest rates rising. So they are back on our buy list, but there will come a day when they turn around and become buys again. And this this is looks like it's the case for Nick Scarley. Risks are obviously interest rates. If they do um, stay where they are or even increase, that could eventually hurt sales. But I also think too, there's a lot of talk around the in the financial press at the moment about housing construction shortfalls and problems and prices going up and builders not being able to renegotiate fixed price contracts or or cancelling them rather than renegotiate them. And one of the key drivers of people buying furniture is moving house. That might be a, a difficulty that they face in the near future, but their risks, we'll see what happens when they announce their results. But at the moment, I think it's a buy and people could have, have a look at it and do their own research. Did you know that Nick Scarley is still alive? No, I didn't. Still alive, still a consultant to the company and a non-executive director. I found this story about him from the Sydney Morning Herald, 1983. It says, 30 years ago, Nick Scarley arrived in Melbourne on an old Greek ship, the Hellenic Prince. He had 10 pounds in his pocket and a little English. So there you go. Thank you for doing that, Pulled Pork Tony. Let's get into Q&A. Hey, Alex. Hello. What do you have for us this week, Alex? There's a... Well, I guess a comment from Marcus, so I'll I'll read that out. He says, this is a Hail Mary to the group. As some of you know, I'm traveling in Europe for four months, so have no PC or tools. Very lucky. I couldn't imagine doing that. For four months? Yeah. Really? Yeah, take a MacBook Air. I mean, that's what I would do. But anyway, you do you, Marcus. Yeah. So he says, I've cashed out of all stock, barring substantial holdings in BBN, my former employer. The price has rebounded significantly the past couple of weeks slash today with the earnings update, i.e. approximately 40% up over the last few weeks. I'm holding out for the dividend date later this month. Management are going through a transition with a new CEO in October. Cam, can I request TK does a pulled pork once results are released and in stock doctor, please? Baby yeah. bunting. Yeah, sure. Daddy's gone a hunting. Is, <laughs> are you going to do that as a pulled pork today, Tony? No, not today because the results aren't out yet. So Right. I'm going to follow the request and do it. I think it'll be next week, but it may be the week after. I looked up Baby Bunting's date of 
announcing their their profits. It's 11th of August, which is only a few days away. So hopefully it'll be in stock doctor by next week and I can do it. Pulled pork. Mm, but I've got to say, John, I hope John hasn't gone yet because if you look up baby bunting Marcus. on the bread later, it's a, it's a sell. Really? Not, not hmm. sure the results are going to help, but we'll see. Well, the share price has gone up a lot lately, but yeah, not enough to get it out of a sell, huh? Just no, it's been a falling later. knife for a while now. And as, right. as, as John alluded to, there's a transition of MD, so that's fine. In fact, the guy who's leaving, Matt Spence, used to work at Shell, but he was coming in as I was going. So interesting. And also, too, I used to work at Coles Mile with the chairman, a guy called Gary Kent. So my alumni are doing well. Baby Bunting. Well, it's it looks like it's nearly back above the sell line, actually. It's been quite a ways below mm. it, but it's if it keeps nudging up, it'll be back over it. So maybe if you know, by the time Marcus gets back, it won't be a sell anymore. Maybe maybe they were gifted to him as part of an options program or something. Reminds me of I forget now the name of the author. It might have been Oscar Wilde. Jumps on a steamship from London to New York, and before he leaves London, he's finished the book and given it to the publisher. Gets to New York, doesn't know what's going on for the last three weeks while he's been, and he sends a, a one-character telegram back to his his publisher, and it's a question mark. And then the publisher sends a one-character telegram back to him. It's an exclamation mark. Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I wouldn't be sure. Yeah, no, I think it's a good thing. But great story about being away and cut off from things anyway. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what Marcus is doing. Maybe he's going, taking a slow boat to Europe. Yeah, oh. it wasn't Mark, was it? Sorry, I call him Marcus. Sorry, I called you John. Doesn't Marcus, matter. John. He can't, no, he can't hear it. He's without any sort of connection, connectivity <laughs> in Europe. In the far-flung reaches of deepest, darkest Europe. <laughs> For four months. Yeah. With no, no PC. Wow. That's, he's, that's hardcore. Sure, yeah. it'll be very relaxing, Marcus. Enjoy, enjoy yourself. Well, thank you, Alex. All right, thank Dale. you. See you See later. You. Thanks. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week. runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc. Sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you like the idea of value investing QAV style but don't feel like you have the time or resources to learn how to do QAV for yourself. Think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. It's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But while he's not, <laughs> we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. If you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episode. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. 
All right, have a great week and good luck with your investing. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.